0: Welcome to this week's episode of the Chopping Wooden Side podcast, the Twin Peaks podcast for conspiracy theorists and aficionados. I'm your host, Murphy. I think uh, Tom's out there somewhere.
1: Hello, Murphy. How are you doing?
0: Pretty good. How are you doing? It's been a few days. We're, uh, we're dying here, waiting for the next uh, episode. Are you uh, on the countdown?
1: Yeah, I've got 43 hours and 29 minutes and 17 seconds until part eight, part nine, excuse me.
0: That's great. Do you have like some sort of like deity or some sort of like, you know, you're praying at an altar. You have something going on like the old days in the 90s you used to have a Twin Peaks altar. Do you have I'm doing
1: there? my uh, Jack Parsons sex magic ritual. Um, I'm, I'm not in the desert. I'm not with Elrod. Do you have Humber. the box?
0: Like, doesn't he have a box, like a magic box, Jack Parsons?
1: He does. It was like kind of like the uh, dossier that Major Briggs or that was found in the secret history of Twin Peaks. It looks oh. very similar. Yes. I do have my black box of uh, sex magic,
0: but we're not going to go there. Well, maybe, though, we're going to dive deep into your black box of sex <laughs> magic in this episode to uh, provide speculation no, on what no. we think, yes, is to come for episode nine and beyond. Uh, we just witnessed, obviously, the most amazing episode in the history of television, maybe in the history of any sort of visual arts, in my opinion. So how can we top that? Are we going to like, uh, what's what do we think is going to come next, Tom?
1: Well, I've got a couple of questions for you. Do you think now that um, Hawk has uncovered, found the missing pages from... Uh, Laura Palmer's diary. Yes, he that has. he he has.
0: Do you think that? <laughs> Do you asked you a think, question. I answered it.
1: Okay. All right. Do you think that the next logical step will be to call on Sarah Palmer?
0: Oh, I like that idea. She needs to come back, and I think that would be obviously the logical person to contact. Even though that would cause her to go running back to her therapist that she probably found <laughs> two years ago. Uh, but yeah, no, I think that's a great idea.
1: Yeah, I think we're going to get, uh, I agree, I think Sarah Palmer, I mean, obviously we had the one scene of her in the uh, the end of the second episode where she's watching uh, some violent animals on screen. You seem to know what those animals are. I can't remember. What were they Two again?
0: lionesses uh, attacking either a blue ox or perhaps an antelope.
1: Okay. All right. Thank you. Yep. So I think it's nigh time for Sarah Palmer to return. And I think that since Laura is the one, obviously that's the episode title of Uh, next week's part 10, I believe
0: what's the, what's episode nine's title?
1: Uh, okay. So part nine is this is the chair. So that we should have started with that.
0: We're going to, yeah, this is the chair. We're going to meet the chair.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He's got to be a part of the
0: lodge, right? He's like the extension of the arms, buddy. They're probably made of the same wood. They go on a dates maybe every once in a while. Uh, Or do you think it's going to be just like one of those weird dialogue references where someone just says, this is the chair and it's referencing a real, just normal chair.
1: Yeah, it could be like that. Uh, you know, see, remember that scene in uh, the original series where Cooper and Truman went to see Ronette and they had, uh, they tried to sit down and they couldn't really figure out the stools. Yeah, the swivel stools. And right. I could see someone going, like, uh, we'll get that one over there. And, and this is the chair. I go, what? No, this is the chair. Just saying some that doesn't yeah. really have any great, because I don't think these really are. I don't think Frost and Lynch, when they were writing this um, series, Said, okay, uh, part one. You know, it's going to be called my, my blog has a message for you. And part n- uh, nine is going to be this is the chair. I think this yeah,
0: is some show- Showtime marketing executives yes. came up with those. Yeah,
1: well, I think pretty, yeah. I mean, pretty obviously, pretty I think theory, it yeah. was vetted by Lynch and or Frost, but I don't think that um, it's a proper episode title. If you remember in the original series, all the episodes were untitled. It was yeah, just. Yeah, didn't some
0: like German dubber like just created those titles himself and that was what stuck? They did, and
1: that's what stuck. And some of those <laughs> titles are just absurd. I wonder who that guy is. <laughs> they were
0: terrible titles. He's they just were like laughing, someone who didn't but... speak English. Yeah, English was the second language to whoever created those titles.
1: Right, right. So I don't think that, I think it's the same thing. I think they're uh, you know happy with it being part one through 18, but Showtime See, I don't think that uh, Lynch and or Frost allowed Showtime to give like a blurb, like a summary for each episode. So, you know, in its stead, basically, I think they got a line from each show. It was, you know, talked about and probably agreed upon by everyone. We'll just use this. And I think that, you know, Lynch and Frost probably submitted those because we have a couple of upcoming uh, episode titles like uh, Let's Rock, which is a callback to Firewalk With Me and the original series, and Laura is the One, which was mentioned yeah, well, by the Log Lady in yeah. her introduction back in 93.
0: Well, if they're all dialogue, uh, spoken pieces of dialogue, then who's going to say Let's Rock, do you think? It's not going to be Michael J. Anderson, because he's not around. It you know, could be the coiner. evolution
1: of the arm, though.
0: I <laughs> don't <You> think so. <laughs> it could be and like Bob. the uh, the
1: MC at the Roadhouse when, uh, who's next, Eddie Vedder?
0: Maybe um, the Evolution um, of the Arm will actually do guest DJ at the Roadhouse and go Let's Rock and then spin a set. of some. More or it could be band.
1: when the Woodsmen appear at on stage at the Roadhouse that it's Let's Rock. That's their introduction. Or maybe the that's Ducko their song. Yeah. The, the Band. Yeah. yeah. The City Hopefully Duckba
0: that won't be uh, – well, that, we think that's going to be later in the episode. What about the beginning of next episode? Like I think one of the big questions on everyone's mind is, is uh, Evil Cooper going to wake up with Bob still in him? Or is he going to be just a doppelganger on the run?
1: Yeah, that really is an interesting question. Um, because it was unclear if the woodsmen actually extracted the Bob bubble from Evil Cooper, or they somehow reanimated it. And well, I wouldn't think Bob would would die. I think that Mr. C would have died. I think Bob would have somehow, he would have lived. I don't think Bob could be just killed by gunfire. Um, So I originally thought that they were reviving um, Mr. C because when they were... You know working on his body they were you know massaging his, his whole body and rubbing blood on his face in a very ritualistic manner and then going inside of him and pulling out the Bob membrane and I didn't see anything that would indicate that he was extracted but we did see after the nine- inch nails performed Mr. C you know wake up but we don't know if Bob is still in him or not I had the theory I think I mentioned it to you that if Bob, is not in mr c anymore it i would think that mr c would slowly start to take on the identity of the former agent cooper and then we would have dueling coopers and the sense that they would look exactly the same but we wouldn't know which one we were seeing which would be very interesting but i don't so know So you're if-
0: saying that like the mr c garb right now uh, the sailor ripley outfit is bob's style choices not yeah, music. I
1: think it's an extension and evolution that of the denim, which music. was a very late 80s, early 90s look. And here we are in the 21st century. I think he's upgraded to the leather pants and the snakeskin shirt and the leather jacket and the long hair. Well, is it possible so, that we
0: yeah. won't even get any Mr. Mister C in this next episode and we just go back to Dougie to see? Because I think Dougie somehow has got to react to this, what's going on, right? You've yeah. been, we've talked about this before.
1: Yeah, I think that one of the things we talked about briefly before we started the podcast was the mention of the farm with Ray and Mr. C's dialogue. And um, I was thinking about that and you thought perhaps it might have something to do with Dead Dog Farm, which was mentioned in season two of the original series. But I got to thinking that since there's a character named the Farmer in part seven, he was the the character that Andy went to go see uh, because the truck that ran over the little boy that was operated by little Dickie Horn was found at this, this, the farmer's place. And uh, this guy was very nervous. He didn't want to be interviewed. He swore to Andy that just leave and I'll meet you in two hours and he never showed up. And then we had one brief scene um, returning to that place with the door open, and we really had this ominous cue. I think maybe that kind of crackle, that electrical crackle maybe as well, which really kind of and we keep hearing that crackle
0: in the Double Art Diner. We hear the crackle everywhere now.
1: Yeah, it's it's yeah the, the traffic light uh, with the woodsman. So I was thinking that there's more to this place than um, just some nervous guy who might be implicated in a crime. And I really want to... I want things to somehow, or at least some threads, to tie back into Twin Peaks, and I couldn't really... Um, wrap my head around how Mr. C would return to Twin Peaks and if Ray somehow is returning to the farm, then, and if the farm is that place in Twin Peaks, I believe Mr. C will want to find Ray because he still has those all important coordinates and that would be a way for Mr. C to return to Twin Peaks because I really don't think that Mr. C, whatever his end game is. Relating to the coordinates and if it's the you know, the horror of Babylon the mother of all abominations that's on his playing card Which he really wants. I don't think it has anything to do with Twin Peaks So um, I think that um, we're eventually going to get Mr C in Twin Peaks and what better way than to go find Ray? but you know well, Why don't we
0: assume that uh, he is going to eventually come to Twin Peaks? Why do we assume that?
1: Well, I just think that all roads, like all these, because I think threads. you know maybe
0: he doesn't come to Twin Peaks now. What's the point? I mean, Twin Peaks doesn't have to be. No, actually, someone said that though, didn't someone? Froster Lynch, and it's gonna come back. So I think we heard from them as well.
1: What do you mean things. it's gonna come back?
0: I think someone said that it all that it all like ties back to Twin Peaks. I think it might be in that that article or that interview that Lynch gave after the first two episodes, because they were saying you know how Twin Peaks wasn't you know featured that much, and he was saying that it all ties back to that and that. Uh, that that's the the cue that we know that the story's gonna eventually go back to Twin Peaks. Well, Probably yeah, because it's just we want to as fans, right?
1: Right. No, but I think it's it, it makes sense. Although we and, want to as fans, it makes sense narratively that you know we started off in all these different locations and really just got a few scenes in the first several episodes in Twin Peaks. And they weren't really narrative driven. It was more character driven, like catching up with old characters. And um, I think since episode five, it started to build a little bit and we've gotten um, some more scenes in Twin Peaks. I think we're getting a little bit more of a narrative flow. And I think it just makes sense that Eventually, we're going to be spending most of our time in Twin Peaks, and all of these other threads, whether it be New York and Buckhorn and Vegas, are somehow going to converge into Twin Peaks. I don't think that we're going to have all of these um, cross-cutting, you know, from location to location, all the way up through the, you know, the last episode. I think eventually our two main, really locations right now are Las Vegas and, and Buckhorn, and I think since Bu- uh, Major Briggs's body. Was um, was discovered and now found out by the the military, who are, are now going to call on the FBI. That they're going to come there. What's the connection with Buckhorn and, and and Major Briggs? Well, Twin Peaks. And then obviously with Vegas with Cooper. I think he's already. You know, Jade's already sent the key back to the Great Northern. We've already had that great scene with Ben Horn and and, and uh, Ashley Judd's character, and with that mysterious hum. I think it's logical that you know Cooper will wind up in Twin Peaks. And of course. Laura is the one. We still believe that Laura Palmer is going to reappear at some point, and all these elements are going to converge back into Twin Peaks.
0: Well, let's go back a little bit and talk about Ray because well, I'm wondering. The longer I get to know this character, who was this laughable, like comic book character <laughs> when I first met him, it couldn't make me. I couldn't stop laughing every time I saw his, his massage. <laughs> but now he's just he kind of is growing on me in a weird way, and he's making me think maybe he might be like a double agent, or there's something that we don't know about Ray because. If he was just an average stooge, don't you think he would be running far uh, on the next plane to you know Buenos Aires or wherever, the, getting the fuck out of the country uh, if he saw what he saw? But he doesn't seem like that rattled. He seems like he was able to compose himself and that he's, uh, hanging, he's in cahoots with Philip Jeffries and he's not just a paid stooge. What do you think about that theory?
1: Yeah, no, it's th- I, I, very compelling because one of the things I want to know is how— Jeffries contacted Ray and why he contacted him and obviously how Ray was the only real contact that Betty, whoever Betty is, Hastings's secretary, would only give him the information uh, which which I, I believe are the coordinates that Mr. C wants. So Ray is a very important figure. And I uh, yes, like, what so if it's it, a
0: trap? He was setting him a trap. You know, I'm saying the coordinates and the whole thing and that he's in some sort of uh, plan with Philip Jeffries to lure Mr. C to be trapped through the the lead the little carrot of oh I've got the coordinates. That's at least what I'm thinking
1: Yeah, no, I think that there might be some meat on the bone there Um, I just I still go back to that first um, scene where we're introduced to Ray and Daria at Beulah's that place I I, I don't I don't really obviously we don't know where it is They didn't indicate you know the location was it in South Dakota because obviously that's where they were winding up It, it would kind of make sense that it was in South Dakota and maybe Hastings somehow or um, Ray knew Hastings or Betty. And that's why Mr. C went to summon him and Daria. But we certainly don't know that. And that place is very mysterious to me. Otis and the two characters. And I know you don't really love that, that scene or that location. But I find it very mysterious that they were in the back. And you know, Mr. C said, well, do you have Ray and Daria back there? Just What's back there? Um, it just seems like... You know, maybe that was the farm. That's what I had originally thought, but um, now I'm thinking, you know, maybe maybe it's something else. But yeah, I agree. I think there's something more to Ray. Um, why Jeffries would 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 contact him? How he would contact him? And even though Ray was completely horrified by what he saw with the woodsman and, uh, you know, hovering around uh, uh, Mr. C and, and seeing Bob's face, he seemed to know enough about what's going on p- to communicate to Jeffries that what he did see is maybe the key to what this is all about. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I mean, I think he's... At first, you thought he was just... Yeah, the way kind of he phrased it, you know, and, I think
0: Cooper had some, Mr. C had some help, Mr. Cooper had some help, you know, I think I might know what this is all about. Like, that was a very casual, you know, it was not like a terrified <laughs> stooge. You know, well, no, like he, he
1: was, was. I think when he was watching the woodsman, but when he was in the car, he was a little bit more composed. But I think he was. But I always rattled. thought also that, like
0: you know, that like oh, he sat around and was screaming for two minutes and, and watched that. But really, it was all just slowed down in slow motion. So he probably right. got the fuck up out of there real fast. Right. You know, he wasn't watching it from. But he,
1: the the implication is is that he's going to this place called the farm, and if Mister C goes there, then Ray will finish the job there. But like I said earlier, I I, I would think that if you plugged some guy two times and, you know, he's still around. <laughs> he's
0: very confident about being able to kill the guy who appears to be immortal. <laughs>
1: right, right. Yeah, so, and, and the Jeffries thing, that, that's what's very curious because it seemed like in the episode where uh, Mr. C was being interrogated by Cole, Albert, and Tammy, well, actually by Cole, Albert and Tammy didn't really talk, that, uh, um, that Mr. C told Cole that he had been working undercover for 25 years with Jeffries, and that he had left me- messages, and then of course there was the conversation with Mr. C with Jeffries after he killed Daria. So the you know the insinuation is is that they are in tandem to some extent, but what we know from Ray and Daria's com- taped conversation is that Jeffries wants Mr. C dead. And is obviously paying Ray and Daria. So what is going on there? And Jeffries is in, you know, Buenos Aires, or that black box is, and some kind of, you know, communication device. Um, I still don't know how that is all tied in, but I do believe that black box is tied into Las Vegas with the Patrick Fishler, uh character, who is Duncan Todd, who I believe is getting messages from that black box or Jeffries. Uh, to hire assassins to kill Cooper. Do you think that's uh,
0: well? Are they come now? Come because the right Cooper, I think there? I think they got the Bob basketball out of him, so maybe they don't want to kill Cooper anymore. You know, what's the point? What's you know what's what purpose does Cooper serve now? Doppelganger Cooper to them, or why do they care about him? Um, if they've got Bob, and I'm assuming the Dugpas, uh, the woodsman, like maybe gay, were sent by Philip Jeffries to get the get the Bob bubble back? Do you think Philip Jeffries or or is he just a human, just like a a guy trying, you know, like Jack Parsons trying to tap into this other world, um, which he was portrayed in firewalk with me as a guy who, you know, was time traveling around, but he wasn't one of them, you know? Right. Um, I
1: associate the, you know, the woodsman, the Doug Puzz with Bob. We certainly got that in part eight after the atomic explosion. We had that whole scene of, of the woodsman at the convenience store. And then right after that, we saw the, um, the, the creature that some are calling the, the whore of Babylon, the, the antichrist, uh, the mother of prostitutes, the mother of abominations, basically birth with this umbilical cord, all of these eggs, and the Bob Bubble. So I think that Jeffries, um, I would guess that Jeffries is maybe doing the same little quantum leap time jump that Garland Briggs. Was doing and they were on opposing sides. I don't think Jeffries is um, associated with Bob or the Woodsman unless he is um, with Host, uh, because um, you know there was that line when Mister C was talking to him that he will be with Bob again. Well, right. we don't know about Jeffries ever being with Bob. We know about um, Leland being with Bob, and we know about the spirit Mike being with Bob. So there's a big mystery with that. But uh, but yeah, so Jeffrey's, I think there's, I think we're gonna find out a little bit more about Briggs and his uh, time jump. I'm gonna talk about that a little bit later. There's a character called the uh, real life figure called, called the Count of St. Germain, who some believe was based on or was the reincarnated um, Francis Bacon, who is this uh, uh, English philosopher. I'll get into that a little bit later. But um, I think that since Briggs, Um, his prints were found at 16 different crime scenes and now at the 16th crime scene his body was found but his body hadn't aged since the end of the second series so basically in 25 years he was still like in his late 40s that he was doing the Philip Jeffries quantum leap jump, and they're on opposing forces, opposing sides. I would believe that Briggs is more on the side of good related to the White Lodge, if we're gonna go there. And Jeffries, which we already know, has been to one of the meetings at the convenience store, has maybe seen Bob, the woodsman, uh, the man from another place, is maybe um, on maybe that darker side, but certainly it's pretty vague at this time.
0: So then that begs the question, if Philip Jeffries did not order the woodsman slash Doug Puss to come out of the woods and steal the Bob orb, um, who did? And, and is are they just – is the woodsman from the 50s that we saw crushing skulls? Is he the one who's their leader? Do they have a leader? Is Bob their leader? You know, like what's – who directs them? Uh, and and – you know is that maybe they don't have a leader maybe they're just like uh, yeah
1: I don't think so I think that like ants. when we talked about when we talked about this in the other uh, podcast that the um, the woodsman we described them as Dugpas and we described the Dugpas it's uh, kind of based on uh, Tibetan lore and they're really kind of described as, as like this red hat sect and it's interesting because some of these woodsmen are wearing these red hats and and the two characters the woodsmen in firewalk with me in the convenience store with the you know the horrible zz top beards also had or at least one of them had a red hat that they're described as these uh like uh, black sorcerers like they're these uh creatures or these you know mythological or, or Creatures that, you know, are, are conjurers of dark spirits or conduits. And I see uh, that 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 is their role, that they don't necessarily have a leader. I think that, if anything, they're an extension of whatever that creature was that birthed the evil that somehow infected, you know, or, you know, uh, came into our realm after the atomic explosion. So I think that they're, that they're all, like, kind of simpatico. I don't think that... Um, anyone goes like you dialed like you know 911 woodsman bobs down bobs down stat get their stat revival, <laughs> Well then how do know? they know
0: that's what I mean how do they know is it just some like psychic thing where they just all swarm and there is no leader and it's just this uh, I'm just yeah. trying to figure out the, the hierarchy of the Dugpa clan just yeah, like in Lord think... of the Rings or whatever you have like the dwarves and the hobbits and the, this and that and the elves like these guys are the Dugpas they're their own species of Logian uh, entities and so I want to know more about them you know
1: Oh, I do, yeah, but I don't think we're ever going to get any concrete answer as to, you know, what, you know, their true definition, what their true motive is. I just, I think we get what, like, Lynch, like, paints. I mean, there's enough, like, meat on the bone, so to speak, for us to intuit what kind of is going on and just like all of lynch's great works that's what he presents us he gives us as he says room to dream and to interpret how we want to And i think frost somehow is able to marry his more literary um, devices or um, storytelling with more of lynch's abstractions then we get that perfect marriage and maybe we get a little bit of answers with some instances Um, But I think when we're dealing with like lodge spirits, namely like Bob and and the Dugpas um, We're we're not going to get anything like concrete like this is that I think we got kind of not necessarily an origin story Of like how they came to be but I think like we got a story of like how they came to be uh, you know on our you know on, on earth or at this particular time maybe they were there b- before other planes of existence other planets what have you maybe this is another version of like an alien as mark frost discusses in the secret history of twin peaks all these different like you know types of aliens that you know have been seen you know, at different various times, more so after the, the, the nuclear, uh, the atomic explosion with the onset of extraterrestrials at Roswell and what have you. But I don't think Lynch is going to define, you know, his spirits as an alien. I think that's, that's Frost and, and he was able to, to run with it in his book.
0: Does Frost talk about, like, woodsmen and origins of the Dugpas, and, you know, in, in extent? Like, I can't remember, like, from the book. Does he talk about that a lot? Not, I don't think it?
1: woodsmen. There's a mention, I believe, of a... Or Dugpas? No. Okay, there's two things. Well, there's a mention in the secret history of Twin Peaks about a fire, I believe, in 1902, where I can't remember if it was eight, six, ten, or how many number of, of these, like, woodsmen or lumberjacks, like, perished in this fire, and uh, I think the, the, the description is very similar to what we're seeing as woodsmen. Now there's another instance in the, Se- or excuse me, the, Ax- the Twin Peaks Access Guide, which was really um, one of these, these books that was uh, published around the time of the original series. Um, it was more kind of a fluff piece. It was like you know, an access guide to the town, giving like insight into some of its lore and its local color. Where there was something called a Passion play. Um, which had a very like, similar connotation to Glastonbury Grove, but I always remembered this image. They had an image of uh, a bearded character with white eyes, and I can't remember if it had a hat or not, but it looks exactly like one of the woodsmen. But it, they weren't called woodsman in the access guide, or maybe even a dugpye. They might even mention a dugpye, I can't remember. But, um, so that's the closest thing that I think we've had of a
0: mention. Uh, it's interesting the, that he would not go into detail. Like the Dugpas, maybe he's been saving for the series.
1: Well, here's the thing: they, Frost was not um, uh, affiliated in any way, shape, or form with Firewalk with Me, and that's where we had our first introduction of a character listed in the credits as the woodsman. It was for number one, was played by Jürgen now. and I don't know who the other actor was, but they were in that you know iconic scene above the convenience store. So I think that was a creation. Of um, Lynch and/or Robert Engels, who co-wrote the script with him, and when they, you know, they went back Lynch and Frost went back to, you know, to conceive and to write the new series that um, they they incorporated uh, these characters into the, the the mythology. So maybe Frost didn't really, you know, conceive this on his own, or maybe it was discussed. During the original series and never, you know, never, you know, uh, written into the script. But I'm leaning more towards Lynch on this one. Do you think the word
0: Doug will ever be uttered in the new uh, series?
1: No, no, I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) They just won't give us the answers we want. Well, I think City
0: is one of my favorite characters of the entire season. If I uh, was still a kid and wanted to buy an action figure, I would definitely buy City. And I think he's one of my faves. I don't even have like talking City. Um, I could, I'd watch the City spinoff, you know, so I think I like City the best, so I really want to know more <laughs> wait, about wait, City. Wait, wait,
1: wait, wait, City, the City in the Jail Cell with Bill Hastings, or
0: Gotta Light City? Uh, no, that's The Woodsman. I would consider The Woodsman separate. Like, I love The Woodsman. He could be, like, City's buddy, but, like, the City, the first City, the original City okay, we saw okay, in yes. the Jail Cell, is right. the City I want the spinoff, like, maybe, uh... I the agree. Woodsman could come on yeah, as a co star. Maybe Alf, you know, we have some different characters coming on. <laughs> so I would be into that. But uh, yeah, so I'm really interested in knowing about The Woodsman. Like, I want to know more about studying the Woodsman. Uh, well, I think we're going to get more. I
1: mean, I think just having that scene at um, the morgue or the hospital in Buckhorn where Lieutenant Knox, we don't know if she saw one of those woodsmen or just felt a presence. Um, but there, the, that, that Woodsman character being at the morgue I think is significant in the sense that um, we had just had a scene over you know, the, the, the body, the headless body of Major Briggs. And I think that there might be some correlation there because we saw the original Woodsman slash sooty in the jail cell, like not directly next to Bill Hastings, but two cells over. And we still don't know what went down. With Hastings, when you know um, the the murder happened of, of Ruth Davenport, we don't know if that crime scene, if, Ru- if if William Hastings is is you know accused of killing Ruth Davenport and Garland Briggs, because we don't know you know where his head is and we don't know where her body is. So I think that we will get more of of Woodsman, but I think it'll be more in line of what we've seen, more atmospheric, more mysterious. I don't think we're going to get like any uh, definitive answer. But I think that in addition to Bob and the convenience store, that they're somehow tied to that investigation in Buckworn with the Hastings investigation.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean... I think the Woodsmen, the Dugpas, the Sooties, whatever you want to call these guys, like they're the main antagonists now, really. I mean, I think like we got Bob and Mister C, but uh, Bob hasn't manifested except for within Mister C. So until he pops out, um, I, I'm I'm putting all my fear uh, meters into into those guys. Those guys creep me out. I'd love. I mean, of all the scenes that I could see in episode nine. Um, a scene with like Matthew Lillard somehow in the jail cell and doing some weird something. and sooty shows up and something fucking weird happens That would be one of my number one wanted scenes uh, At least in my opinion.
1: Yeah, what I want to see um, uh, Related to um, Hastings's character is I would love to see like a Lynchian flashback to uh, that night where you know he dreamt of being in her Uh, Apartment and killed her. Like, do you remember in Lost Highway? um, There's a scene uh, where there's two scenes actually that I want to talk about. Is one where Bill Pullman is telling Patty Arquette, his wife, the character in the film, that a dream that he had about like coming home and finding her in bed, but it wasn't her. And you see the dream uh, unfold while he's telling her, and the camera really kind of like zooms in on her, and you see her like, you know, kind of like, you know, raise her hands like something's attacking her. Well, in that like narrative with with Lost Highway, I believe that we were seeing the actual crime scene because ultimately the Bill Pullman character kills her. And I find it very interesting that he described it as a dream. And here we are in Twin Peaks where Hastings is describing having a dream about being in in Ruth Davenport's apartment and possibly, I'm thinking, killing her, but only within a dream. Um, And then also in Lost Highway, if you remember at the very, very end of that film, there's a flashback to where like, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of putting the pieces together. You see Mr. Eddie with Patty Arquette's character and they're watching a porno that um, Patty Arquette is starring in with that has like Marilyn Manson. And you're, it's yeah, like- is it like
0: on 16mm or something like yeah, that? It's like, God, yeah, it's like, it's a black
1: and white. But it's
0: like- <laughs> It's an old it, stag film, yeah, from that. It, was it was like, just She's this, in it with Marilyn Manson getting, yeah, fucked, yeah.
1: Right, that. and uh, it was just this, this little, like, Lynch artistic scene, this flashback that, you know, added a little bit, you know, gave you a little bit of a clue, but added a little bit more mystery. And I'm hopeful that we're going to get something like that in this new series related to that crime scene. Because I think it would be fascinating. I think it would be a tour de force, like a great set piece. And can you imagine, too, seeing like this 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 room? Like, remember that scene in Wild at Heart where, um, where Harry Dean is taken... To the room and uh, and Grace Abriski's character and, and David Patrick Kelly and Calvin Locker, They're, he's about to be murdered and ritualistically, right? Yeah, and it's this dark. Fuck and, me, Reggie. Yeah, <laughs> fuck me now, Reggie. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and uh, Hello, so Mr. Randy. I, when the music's really slowed down and it's like you said, it's got that ritualistic kind of like uh, flavor to it. Like, if you were in Ruth Davenport's apartment and it somehow was, like, within a dream and you saw Hastings there and you saw maybe one of the woodsmen there and maybe you saw, like, Garland Briggs and you just got this little, you know, just this this crazy little scene. You're not going to you know, maybe show, like, the head being cut off. But I would just think that scene, adding that scene, would give us, like, an answer and also create more mystery. And that seems to be, like, Lynch's, you know, kind of... Uh, uh, you know, his uh, his calling, basically. When he he's, he's called to answer, he'll give you something, but he'll add a level, a, a layer of mystery upon it. So I hope we get that. Because I, I don't think that we're done with Lillard quite yet. I certainly hope not.
0: No, me too. I mean, we haven't seen him since episode two, so I think it's about due time to see and, that guy again.
1: Yeah, and the one other aspect of that, which is, you know, very, very curious, his wife. Phyllis Hastings.
0: There's two things. Phyllis is still dead, like, in the living room, isn't she? She's collecting flies at this point. Is somebody (laughs) knocked on the door? (laughs)
1: Right. But she knew Mr. C, right? She knew Mr. C. And then when he shot her, there was that little, like, like, it wasn't like a time jump. There was something it looked like was maybe escaping her or a, a double. There was something. It wasn't a natural death scene. So... Um, if Hastings is having you know some kind of dream or if he was maybe host to something perhaps Phyllis was maybe some manufactured activity going on I just think that we're not quite done there and we're going to we're going to have at least another moment in Buckhorn related to that uh, to that little thread
0: I'd like to see uh, Jane Adams doing stand-up like at the end of one of these uh, episodes. <laughs> that that's just how that? it is It just doing over stand-up. the credits yeah over the credits <laughs> Her at some <laughs> okay. Buckhorn
1: comedy club, right? Yeah, yeah. With Like Buckhorn three comedy people club, in the crowd, like two people barely laughing. She's, yes. up, she's got
0: some good jokes, you know. Like she yeah. did New York, they were good things. You know, oh, that laughing. is hilarious. That would be
1: great. That would be great because we've got bands, we've got the double R, we've got the little girl with a bug in her mouth. We had the gramophone. Let's have and the gramophone. Let's have Constance doing stand-up and yeah, Buckhorn. Just, yeah, a little I salute you, my stand-up. friend. What I, I salute do? you. I do. I do like that a lot. Yes. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, okay. What? To okay. So, part, we need, hey,
0: yeah, let's switch to something else. I think we've been talk, out talked this, this. This.
1: Oh story. yeah. Well. Okay. So, part nine. Another thing I wanted to talk about. Um, some people are. Uh, at least I came across a couple of, uh, of references um, to the Becky character, the Amanda Seafried character. She's really only been in one episode. We know that she's married to. Uh, uh, is it Caleb Landry Jones? Is that his name? Um, yep. Stephen. Uh, The great mumbler, we know that they're married. We know that they have a drug habit. We know that they don't have any money. But, you know, she has...
0: We know he can't tie ties, nor can she.
1: (laughs) And he can't write a resume properly. And uh, he got schooled (laughs) by the snake. But um, So there's maybe some kind of comparison, correlation to Laura Palmer that maybe some people suspect because... She's young, she's blonde, she's got a coke habit, you know, she, or a drug habit, she's with a bad guy. But I was thinking more of perhaps since we have the new Fat Trot Trailer Park, which is a whole other little, like, you know, thread that I could get into, but I find it very curious that Lynch brought that back into the world of Twin Peaks. I think more so than uh, just to reintroduce the Carl Rodd character played by the. Great, Harry Dean Stanton. But my thinking is like, well, instead of Becky that made a Seafried character being maybe the new Laura Palmer, which I don't think Lynch and Frost are, are, are going that way. What if she is more kind of a callback to Teresa Banks because Teresa Banks was the first victim of Bob, or we don't know how many victims. She was of a little Bob older, had,
0: but... just like Becky is. You know, she yeah, she's a
1: little adult. older. Um, she worked in a diner. We don't know if Becky worked in yeah, a she diner. We a good know head on she her works... shoulders,
0: kind of, even though she was a prostitute. She, she lived at, at the, the trailer court.
1: park. Yeah. She lived at a trailer park. She was killed at the Chowfront. If you read the script for *Fire with Me*, she was killed in the Chowfront, uh, who or basically the Tree Mons, um trailer. So my thinking is, since we know that Becky and Stephen are are married and they're probably you know uh, having some financial difficulties or whatever, we really have only had the one proper scene at the Fat Trot trailer park. Um, perhaps maybe there's. An angle with them living at the Fat Trout trailer parks because because I think that we need to go back to the Fat Trout. We need some kind of narrative thread, and I can't. I know we Well, have there this... is a
0: reason why he probably relocated Fat Trout to Twin Peaks. Well, yeah, he that's in a different town. He right, to walk with me. Right, so we probably a plot reason for that. So I could think that's a good theory.
1: That's what I'm trying to I'm trying to put some pieces together because I know that we have this Linda character that was mentioned by. The guy, I think the actor's name or the character's name was Mickey, who who had who took a ride with with Harry Dean, and he talked about his girlfriend, or I can't remember if it was a girlfriend or a wife or a mother, but the name was Linda, and and she was you know she was uh, um, trying to get a chair like a wheelchair and she, having hassles with the government, and some people want to go ahead and um, put the Linda from the Giants Clue with this character who we've never seen, and the fact that she's getting a wheelchair. And the next episode is entitled This is the Chair. That there might be. Oh,
0: dude, you may have just nailed it, buddy. Well, I don't know. I
1: don't, I don't, I see. I just, when I, when I like think of something like right off the top of my head, like if it makes like total sense, I'm immediately like suspicious because. (laughs) Better
0: than my idea of Josie being reincarnated as chair and installed in the (laughs) chair.
1: Wait, she moved from the drawer pull to pole yeah, that's to a chair. chair? <laughs> yeah, his chair now. Is it a wood chair or is it? Yeah, it's is of course. It's made of... from
0: the same wood. They just smelt down the wood from the the dresser and they made a chair. <laughs> now it sings well, beautifully. It comes beautifully <laughs> in the corner.
1: Oh, my friend, I salute you again. You two salutes and we're not even done. We're not even. Yeah. Hey, one okay. question.
0: Who do you yes. think is on the Twin Peaks High School wall of shame? Uh, number one, is it going to be Bobby Briggs or Caleb Landry Jones? They're battling, I would imagine, for the history's worst students at Twin Peaks High School. <sighs>
1: I think it would, would I, I would give my vote to Caleb Landry Jones, the Stephen character. Yeah, he just because... seems like
0: he's up to more trouble, doesn't he? Because Bobby would cry, you know, he would he'd break down pretty easily, you know, he's a softy. He yeah, and Caleb plus Bobby knows. was like a, a varsity
1: letterman. He was on the football team and he was dating the homecoming yeah, queen. Caleb and...
0: doesn't, he seems more of like a, you know, putt putt guy. <laughs> sticking cocaine in the bowls, yeah. <laughs> But
1: do people know what putt putt is, or is that a Texas mm. thing? Putt putt, National? I don't know. Miniature golf. Yeah, miniature there you golf. go. Miniature there golf. There golf. Go. Yes. Putt putt. Well, I do
0: hope we get to see Becky Briggs. I hope we get to see some more Twin Peaks. Uh, you know, young people because we haven't seen many of them. So that's one thing is we've seen. I would like to see more Dickie Horn, even though he's a sorry son of a bitch. Although not a son of a bitch if he's married to Audrey or uh, the, the son of Audrey Horn. But uh, I would like to see some younger characters do the thing.
1: Well, two other things with part nine and beyond is uh, with going on the briggs. We've only had one scene with Bobby. We know that he is a deputy uh, at the sheriff's department, and uh, he's still emotional if he sees Laura Palmer or any reference to Laura Palmer. But um, we don't know what the relationship status with Shelley is uh, because um, we in the credits. I think Becky is. Um, I think her name is Becky Barnett or Becky Burnett. Um, Steven's name and Shelly is listed in the credits, I believe, is just Shelly. Um, and we've seen that scene of uh, Shelly at the Roadhouse and at the end of part two, where she spots the Balthazar Getty character, Red, and they're kind of making eyes at each other. Maybe there's a little like romance there. Maybe Shelly still has a little bad guy, uh, bad boy syndrome. But I'm thinking that Bobby is the actual father of. Um, the Becky that made seafood Seyfried, uh, Seafried's character maybe Bobby and Shelley are on the outs maybe they're still together but I see a potential triangle between Bobby Shelley and red um, I just think that uh, it just the, the stars are aligning with that and uh, with Bobby being now on the side of good um, and Shelley's kind of vacillating a little bit between just seems like you know she just always, She's still at the diner. She even said to Norma, "Like we know about that." When it was, when when Norma insinuated that uh, Becky had problems, like Shelley, like you know, maybe had some problems with drug abuse. Here she is, you know, making goo goo eyes at you know a, a drug kingpin, You're a drug dealer. Yeah, drug dealer. So maybe a he- drug dealer. Well, he's he said he was only in town for a couple of weeks, so we don't know that Baxter. But he I probably think gave you a free
0: sample of Sparkle while he, you know. They just <laughs> just hand it
1: off do you shake? think Sparkle is the Chinese designer drug that Sheriff Frank Truman mentioned? It's gotta or be Or do you think right? it's separate? It's,
0: yeah, it would be like separate, little Sparkle yeah. Motion makes you dance. Oh, another
1: thing think. is Sheriff Frank Truman, the, the sheriff of the town. We have never seen him. Well, okay, he has never been outside of the the property, the sheriff's department. He came outside to see Wally Brando. He's been glued to that
0: chair for like He's eight the, episodes. Yeah.
1: Right, so, I mean, Hawk and even Andy is doing more police work than uh, Well, he has a sweet-ass
0: computer set up. He's got that little, you know, switch lever thing popping up. He didn't need to leave. He can just hang out right order out. Yeah.
1: Now, what about Audrey Horn? Everyone seems to be clamoring for Audrey Horn, one of the most iconic characters of the original series. We had a mention of her in uh, the episode where we, we, we saw Doc Hayward, but, um, We're going to get her at some point. Do you think that she is going to still be in the family business or do you think that maybe uh, she is on her own? Because I have a theory about her being a Miss
0: Havisham, Miss Havisham type character and not working in the Great Northern. Which is a like 500 year reference from a Charles Dickens story. Yeah. okay. so uh, no, I don't think she would be she'd be a, a, a shut in type, but I think it really is irrelevant of what she is. You know, I think she's going to be who she is and uh there's gonna be a storyline that ropes her in that's gonna be like dickie horn or son wayward whatnot or something else maybe the uh suggested uh, violation of her in the emergency room when she was in a coma by mr c that was alluded to in episode seven uh but i would not think she would be working for her dad anymore the dad i didn't see any pictures of uh, audrey and johnny and audrey's grandkids uh ben and jerry don't look like the grandfatherly and great uncle types. <laughs> so she's probably somewhere doing her thing, but I, I really, you know what? I mean, I love Audrey, but I'm not, is, I'm not waiting for Audrey to show up like on pins and needles, like everyone. But, uh, you know, I think she will show up through some plot line, like a, a Dickie horn plot line. Yeah. Something I can like see a, her
1: not living in twin peaks, not in the family business, obviously having money because of her family and probably being successful on her own, but being, I won't say bitter, but you know, the first time that she ever had sex was with, The great John Justice Wheeler, Billy Zane, and he left her the moment, you know, I mean, like literally minutes after deflowering her. And then her original love, Agent Cooper, uh, disappeared and, and might have accosted her, sexually molested her when she was in a coma. And then she was in this huge explosion. Um, or right before that she was in a huge explosion so this woman has you know some baggage and she, it might have affected her I don't think she's going to be the the lovable you know uh, coquette that we knew with
0: saddle shoes oh god I hope Lynch doesn't like lynch her out and just put her make her disfigured and wretched <laughs> <rigid. laughs> like, you know like he's I like would all the ones, surprised. yeah the yeah. ones over yeah the B- Beulah's house in the background like one of those <laughs> things, cast of characters
1: but I think that I don't think she's obviously she hasn't been in the first eight episodes. Um, I think I don't think she's going to have a, uh, a prominent role, but I think whatever her storyline is will play uh, will have a, a relevancy and, and maybe even a major relevancy to the plot. And it very well may have to do with Cooper. Um, the one insinuation is that perhaps that Richard Horn, little Dickie Horn, is her son. We don't know um, who he is. We don't. He could have been adopted. It, it could be a nom de plume. We don't know, but um, that would be um, interesting if we, we continue to follow uh, little Dickie Horn and he winds up um, in serious trouble with either Red the you know the drug dealer played by Balthazar Getty or you know found out as to being the you know the hit and run driver of of the little boy because we saw that that one woman who oh, actually witnessed him the one who was in the diner talking to Heidi she actually saw him so if she is if he is her son. Uh, That would be another way of of maybe drawing her back into the plot. But I think it's going to go more on the Cooper aspect uh, somehow. Either she has some information, something maybe related to the key, um, something. I don't know what it is, but I don't think she lives in Twin Peaks, but I think she will show up at some point and have some, some relevancy to the plot.
0: Well, I know. I know this is really disturbing to think about, but um, I think I'm not the only Uh one out in the Twitterverse who have, like, you know, pretty much been resigned to the fact that that plot drop by uh, Warren Frost in Episode Seven about the whole Audrey uh, emergency room coma incident with uh, Mr. C is not. It's not a one-off. That that means something, and that that we are going to go there. I think I think that's what's going to happen too. I mean, I'm not the only one. I still feel that way. I feel that was that's how she's going to come back into the story. Um, I think I'm not even sure Little Dickie Horrents her son anymore for some reason. Yeah. So you
1: really think that uh, Cooper? He yeah. You know, I Diane. I yeah. Audrey. I yeah, I don't. I do. I don't. Well, I think I, that's more yes. of the you know more in line of the original series more in line of like you know there was the elements the tropes the soap opera oh it's tropes. just so
0: horrific though for all of us even now to, to imagine that mr that our uh, beloved dale cooper could do such a thing so i think it's just as shocking and maybe even more so now you know because back in the original series we were used to these soapy tropes you know so that would seem normal in like uh, days of our lives but um or in the original piece because it was kind of a you know take on The soaps, but now, dude, if they really go through with that, like, it's almost like he's like pushing the limits. Like, how much can we take? You know what I mean? Like, like there, I guess there's a limit. So you're saying you don't want to go there because it's too icky for you to think about. No, Um, no, 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 not at all. (laughs) I just don't think
1: creatively it's very interesting. I don't care about going there, but but dropping it there. I mean,
0: that's fine. But it's but it's been dropped. Is what I'm saying. You can't undrop it.
1: Well, no. But here's one. Okay, that's been dropped. But here's what else we know. I mean, I would assume right after because that was you know that this either the same day or the next day after cooper came out of the lodge that annie would have also been in icu we know from firewalk with me and the missing pieces that she was at the hospital she was catatonic and she had the ring and um a nurse took the ring so when you name drop audrey horn when doc hayward name drops audrey horn everyone jumps on this okay cooper you know you know sexually you know assaulted her i go and think like no, that's not very interesting creatively. B, Annie is there. We've had Annie mentioned as well. Annie had the ring. The ring plays huge has huge significance to you know the lodge and you know possession. So I, it very well could be that. Um, so I, I just don't. I just I'm not gonna automatically jump on that. Just like he may have jumped on Audrey. I'm just not going to go there. But,
0: uh, um. Maybe he jumped on Heather Graham and Audrey, and there's going to be like a Witches of Eastwick type situation where he's got two little kids by two different women and they all grow up to be Antichrist. So he his little of... uh,
1: high school sandwich a la the yeah. Great Went. Yeah. Oh, put, uh, well, I mean, but, okay, here, back, to the, back, back to the point
0: is that I really do feel that, like, the most, like, that's the worst thing you could possibly do. You know what I mean? Like in the, they, that he really did hit the nail on the head, other than like going and murdering Audrey or, or that's almost, wor- I mean, but if he raped her in a coma, <laughs> that's worse than k- killing her. You know what I mean? Like Diane really, if you'd killed her, it'd been less worse than probably what he's done to her. So that for me rings true in terms of the worst that evil Coop could have done. Um, and that's, what's frightening to me. And that makes me feel horrible, but I feel that's, it feels true right now. I hope it's not, but uh,
1: you just want to have a quick flashback saying, Flashback scene a la Frank Booth, Dennis Hopper humping Isabella Rossellini with evil Cooper humping (laughs) Sherilyn Fenn. You want it with the the Blue Valley? No, okay, that might be drawing (laughs) the line, actually. I think that could draw the line in terms of
0: censorship. But I mean, you know, I think that that's what's so great about there is no lines anymore. This last episode proved it. There's no lines. It could be anything. So uh, I'm not I'm not not discounting the possibility, even as it's it's gross and horrible as it seems, you know, so. Right. Of course, I see her come back in a different way. But uh, yeah.
1: Well, I mean, and, and we know that we're going to get you know Cheryl Lee. We don't know if it's going to be Laura Palmer. We know that you know the I think I've it's been episode saying ten. That, but we're at episode. Well, nine. Laura is I would the think one. it needs
0: to. I think it It's either going to have to happen like right at the end. You know what I mean? Like one of those, or it's going to have to happen soon. Like To start interweaving her story, if we're going to start having a, a double doppelganger Laura Dougie inception reincarnation story, right? I think it needs to happen pretty soon.
1: Well, how right? about how about Vegas? I mean, Vegas. We've spent a lot of time in Vegas. Uh, we have obviously. Uh, Cooper and Janie E and uh, obviously it's tied to Buckhorn in some way with you know his ring his wedding ring being found in the stomach of of Major Briggs but we have the whole Lucky 7 little subplot with the case files and the Tom Sizemore character um, being very shady. We have the Mitchum brothers played by Belushi and Nepper. We have the Mandy, Candy, and Sandy who I don't think we've seen the last of. I really believe that we're gonna jump back into Vegas. I think there's gonna be a confluence of events where Nepper and Belushi and, and their kind of Vegas gangsters um, somehow confront or are confronted by Cooper. I don't know um, how it's going to unfold I don't think it's tied into like Mr. C's master plan, but I don't think we're quite done there. Um, I used to think that um, since Lynch is a huge fan of Jacques Tati, um, he's a French filmmaker, and uh, the film uh, Mr. Mr. Hulitz Holiday, yeah, a lot of not
0: no dialogue. Yeah, I
1: mean, we, we thought we were saying like you know well we know that. Um, McLaughlin was kind of channeling, especially after a recent interview, like, you know, uh, Peter Sellers in uh, being there as Chauncey Gardner, in addition to, I think, Rain Man, Dustin Hoffman. But um, I think like the, the, the actual like storytelling, the actual um, um, uh, uh, Lynch creating this little kind of comic subplot is was kind of inspired by his love of this kind of absurdist. French filmmaker uh, Jacques Tati, and I thought that okay, we're you know we're gonna eventually kind of it's gonna run out of steam, and we're gonna kind of get our Cooper back, but I think we're gonna still kind of have of some more moments here. I don't think Cooper. Uh, Cobra Cooper is back and that really you know, kind of like shook him out of, of Dougieville. I think that he's slowly emerging but we're going to continue with this Lucky 7 subplot which I think is tied into those case files which I think are tied into uh, the Silver Mustang Casino and ultimately Nepper and Belushi. Now how that you know if it's somehow tied into a bigger picture I don't know but I don't think we're done yet so I think we're going to get a reintroduction in part 9 of, of that of that subplot.
0: You know, I think you may be onto something. I'm not sure if we talked about it in a past pod, but um, when Dougie's doing that magical mystery tour over the, the case files um, and drawing all over it, some of the people he's starring next to, the characters, they're the guys from the casino, the dudes that got beat up. And, you know, so it's going to tie back to the casino. Oh, okay. Or, all right. Investigation. Well, yeah. Yeah,
1: I just think that there's, they're spending way too much time there. It's not just Lynch taking his time and, and trying to create, you know, obviously he's showing. You know, we're, or we're seeing Cooper basically reborn and learning to be Cooper, and he has this ready-made family. I just think that it's it's not going to suddenly like he's going to snap to and say goodbye to Janie E and the Sonny Jim. I mean, I, I don't think he's going to pack them up, you know, in the car and road trip into Twin Peaks. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some kind of like tragedy. Um, related to um, his family, Janie E and Sonny Jim, I but um, yeah, I think that we're going to still spend a couple episodes. I don't think that we're going to get our major characters, especially like Mister C um, Cooper and or the FBI, into Twin Pe- into, into Twin Peaks proper until probably maybe part twelve or part thirteen. I think we're going to have another three or so episodes. Uh, um, part of the, these shows will, will, will kind of unfold the, the, the Vegas narrative and come to some kind of conclusion. Now, it might lead to Twin Peaks eventually. I'm not certain. But I, I think people who are just waiting desperately for Dougie to wake up or Cooper to wake up, uh, they're in for uh, uh, more, more, more Cooper as Dougie. I think it's going to keep on. Uh, I think we're not quite done yet, my friend.
0: No, of course we're not. I mean, I think Dougie could even be. I mean, he may last till the end. But I'm still like leaving that possibility open. Although I think you know, it's possible if he somehow learns his lesson or whatever it is he's trying to do to come fully back and becomes like Cooper, then maybe all of the Rancho or whatever that, that is just an illusion. It'll just disappear. You know what I mean? Like I think Janie, if they that still may not be real in my mind, even though it seems like they've proven that it is. Because they've interacted with policemen and gone to, you know, all these other, you know, gone to casinos. But I still have a feeling that that still could be some sort of dream place, that it's not real. I
1: agree. I agree. Because Cooper was supposed to leave the lodge via the lodge, you know, at 253 when Mr. C was driving down, you know, the highway. Cooper was supposed to, they were supposed to transfer. They are supposed to switch places. And then all hell broke loose. Uh, the evolution of the arms doppelganger morphed from the Venus de Milo statue, and the floor broke open, and Cooper left through the red room floor and found himself in, in, in the glass box in New York, and then ultimately he found himself in that purple room, which we think is in the same like realm as uh, the the giants' domain, and, and you know in Senorito Dido. whether that's the White Lodge or not, we don't know, but. Um, that certainly that that ocean that purple ocean was seen at both locations so cooper left that's where he left he left from that room and i don't think that was supposed to happen now we know we saw two kind of electrical portals one with the uh, the number three and one with the the, the number 15 uh the uh, the woman with no eyes was was adamant for for cooper not to go through the one with i think it was 15 the first one and then she went and pull the lever of that alarm, which was also in the giant's domain, is the, the same structure. And I believe that's what changed that kind of reality because the room changed, the, the American girl appeared, it had a different yeah, portal. That's right. And Cooper went out. So I don't think, so your um, theory that um, whatever Rancho Rosa, Vegas with Dougie and that family, uh, I, I don't think it's an alternate timeline. I don't think it's a whole manufactured reality. I would subscribe more to kind of a dream. Um, I like think a construct,
0: what? this dream state construct that the something. giant created for yeah. him to be able to survive when he comes back. And maybe he's really like just laying in the damn desert, or laying in a hospital or something, you know, or a coma. I mean, himself, like maybe he's not even there, you know?
1: Well that, that ties into my, uh, the Count of, of St. Germain, which I wanted to talk about, who I think Um, has some relevancy to possibly to, like, major breaks. It was was a, like I said, it was a character, a a real-life person, the philosopher Francis Bacon, and uh, apparently, like, he died, which, you know, this was, like, I think the 16th century or whatever, and um, was... um, uh, apparently came back, or was uh, reincarnated, or with, as this a new character named the Count of Saint Germain, and this character like went on through different eras, and uh, he became like this. Um, he became like um, a uh, uh, like this myth, and uh, like this immortal. Like I think he was called the Wandering Jew, and he was uh, a, an alchemist um, with the elixir of life. And then uh, he prophesied things like the French Revolution, all these things. And then um, some like um, uh, uh, the, the uh, theosophy, these groups, they honor him as this supernatural being called an ascended master. Um, so I was reading all these things and there's some kind of parallels to like, you know, the, 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 the both Dougie um, or Cooper in this new like life as this newborn, like trying to go through these steps and become like you know uh, the master of his own domain, so to speak, ascending. And also with the giant as well. I, I saw some correlations with that. But this Count of St. Germain is a very interesting character and is tied into a lot of the literature that Mark Frost uh, has read and has admitted to being influenced by. And I think Mark Frost is more of the occultist in the Twin Peaks um, lore and I think Lynch is more of the spiritualist and I think they have a great marriage together. That's why I don't think Lynch is uh, going to describe something like we discussed the uh, the mother, uh, the whore of, of Babylon that we saw, when we think that kind of creature uh, spewing that umbilical, pour, uh, umbilical cord of all those eggs and bob. Um, I think that like some people want to describe that as the horror of Babylon, and that's tied into Jack Parsons and Aleister Crowley. But I think Lynch won't go there. I think you know he'll maybe give a visual clue. There'll be some insinuation where Frost will go ahead and write it in his book. Lynch will go ahead and give you some some dream imagery. So. Um, there's a lot of like literary, like a lot of like you know uh, devices that Mark Frost basically admitting in 1992 in this article that I came across that the whole mythological side of Twin Peaks was really him, and it was based on a lot of like you know texts that he um, read, a lot about the the, the Masons and, and uh, Theosophy and something called the um, the um, was it the Order of the Golden Dawn, was something which I came across. These are, I mean, I am just now. I mean, I've heard of these things, but I'm just now really kind of jumping into it. And if you really want to ascribe theories um, with some of these, like you know, uh, the plot threads, these these characters, whether it be the Doug Puzz, the Glass Box Monster, I think like you know, read the Secret History of Mark Frost. Read into like some of these things that I'm mentioning. But also, should tweet
0: be- about some of this stuff out to the audience. I'd like to read it too. Oh.
1: Oh well, I may, yeah, maybe I will, but I think be careful though, because Lynch, he's you know he's he, he's not going to lay out anything with any definitive answers. Um, I, but it's I,
0: fun to see it tied into reality, you know. I love to see the history of it all and see all these occultists and people that look like they were trying to find the Black Lodge in real life, and so that's that's intriguing, even if Lynch never really puts it in there you know but he yeah well you know know about
1: the have you read the script of the final episode of the original series
0: I mean maybe you gave it to me a long time ago I read your copy but I don't remember it
1: yeah it's it's vastly different I mean we had this basic you know setup of Wyndham Earl versus agent Cooper within the Black Lodge and in the original, Didn't they have a pie
0: contest in the original script. In <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, it, but it went. It,
1: it, the, what they did was they went into the Black Lodge, and the Black Lodge, I think, like the scenes were in black and white. And some of the locations were like the Great Northern, but in black and white. And it looked like the Great Northern, but it wasn't the Great Northern. And it kind of flashed back to Cooper's childhood. It was more of this. It, it was more based on like what the setup was towards the end of the second season. But what Lynch did was he threw most of that away. And what he did was he obviously he created what what we all saw. And I think that's because Frost was like he was tying in like Arthurian legend, which you know he cre- I mean, Glastonbury Grove obviously is is you know based on Arthurian legend. Some Romans the thing, market. well there's a callback to this new series but Lynch threw a lot of that stuff away and he he scaled it down and and, and made it more of about Cooper and Cooper's self and Cooper's shadow self and callbacks to the the pilot and Laura and the Lodge and these real primal beings and he scaled everything back and he, he didn't give us any answers and he made it like purely abstract and I think that's and, and then I think Fire Walk With Me was an extension of that, and I think this is an extension of Fire Walk With Me. I really believe what we're seeing now is if Fire Walk With Me was a, was a success, that we would have saw kind of what we're seeing now in like a two, two and a half hour, two and a half hour narrative with these different locations, Philip Jeffries... Um, you know the woodsman more of the, the atomic bomb all this stuff I think it was percolating in Lynch's mind um, for a very long time and now getting back together with Frost he's pulling out some of his you know old hats from the you know uh, the end of the second season and, and stuff that he's been drawn to his, his entire idea drawer. life his what?
0: his idea drawer like Woody his Allen
1: I, like Woody Allen right yeah exactly so well, um, I do really
0: feel like he's throwing out I mean he's pulling out all the stops he's throwing everything at us in this series what do you
1: Lynch Frost or, or together? Yeah, I don't
0: think they're holding anything back. That's the no, thing I, my concern about if they're gonna be another season. Like, do they have another season in them? I, I
1: think know. they are. I think they are holding um stuff back. Be- not not because for the fourth season, if if there ever will be a fourth season, but because they know better than anyone that if they they want this to continue, whether into a fourth season or just in the minds of the people who fall in love with it. Is to not give it closure, yeah, and not to true. give them answers. If you go to Mark Frost's Twitter page and someone like will ask him like some kind of question or something like that, he always answers with like, "Well, whatever you think," yeah, or cryptic, just yes, he's never, yeah. cryptic. He's very just like Lynch. So they know well enough. That's why I don't think that we're going to get. I think we'll get some answers to some of these threads but I don't think at the end of the day it's going to be you know everyone joining hands and and you know and singing you know let's raw or singing you know some song at We turn the, the Jedi like the Ewok yeah, the Ewok's not, it's not the gonna, Thank you. Thank no, you. Thank, no. you, thank yeah. you. Yeah. No, exactly. We're not going to get that. Well, we don't want that. Um, yeah, no.
0: We don't want that. We don't want closure. We love mystery. Uh you know, but I do think that uh you know they've done so well in the first eight. I mean, I don't know what the ratings are. We do kind of get glimpses of it but across the media platforms it's a little foggy. But uh, it's getting such great critical acclaim, man. I would think that right now, if Showtime, uh, Showtime would you know renew another season if, if Lynch and Frost want to do it, um, unless they hold out for tons of money, you know that's that's going to be the compelling thing as to what happens if uh, this thing is like the masterpiece because it is a masterpiece, you know. I agree. why wouldn't they want them to come back?
1: I agree. It could be maybe they maybe they you know um, decided like this was it. Maybe they they said like okay, all right, well. We're gonna do this, we'll have some ideas for that. We don't know. Um, I think Lynch has proven over time to never say never. But um, I think that they built this this 18 hours with some definitive closure, um, for some answers that we've been waiting for for 25 years, but there's also going to be a cavalcade, uh, a plethora of other little like tangents and ideas that um, we we won't ever get any definitive answers. And that's that's the genius uh, of Lynch and Frost and the world of Twin Peaks.
0: Well, I hope they throw some Seinfeld money at him and uh, make. It
1: <laughs> time I agree. I agree. I agree. Oh, one uh, other thing I uh, want yeah, to any mention. Last thoughts?
0: We got to wrap up here, buddy. Yeah. No.
1: Okay. One thing is I. Um, I was watching Eraserhead recently, and uh, if anyone owns the DVD, there's a great extra on there of Lynch talking for 90 minutes, um, and uh, one of the things, um, it's, it's a great piece, just listen to it, but um, watching the movie, two things. First of all, in Henry Spencer's apartment, this was shot in the early, or the mid, early to mid-1970s, in Henry Spencer's apartment, there is a picture of a nuclear explosion. Uh, which is a <laughs> callback to, yes, um, obviously what we just saw in part eight. Wow. So I think Lynch has always been fascinated by been that imagery it because the beginning. Yeah. it's not only destructive, obviously, it's one of the most destructive you know, uh, you know weapons ever created, but there's also like a poetry and a beauty in it. And I think Lynch really it's the light and the dark, it's the good and the evil. I think something about that attracts and maybe repels him. And then also the baby. Um, the baby and uh, Henry Spencer's baby, and that um, the head, the mouth. I just looked at it, and I th- I saw you know the glass box monster a little bit. You know, not that it's the same thing, but there's a similarity there. Especially at one point with the glass box monster, where you see its mouth and no other features. It looked very similar to the baby, and I think Eraserhead is Lynch's most personal film. Always will be his most personal film. He has said it's been his most spiritual film. And I think we've had a lot of I won't say callbacks, but um, influences, uh, imagery um, from that, I think symbolism, and I don't think we're quite done yet, because I think that if this is Lynch's final work, it's a uh, it's, it's coming Strap to full in, circle folks. for him. Yeah, it's coming to full circle. He started with a racer head and he's ending with, you know, a razor head, but obviously it's not a racer head, but but by a twin thing. five thousand. Yeah,
0: right. I think the next half, I mean, the next 10 episodes are going to be even more um, bonkers than the first eight, personally. I think he's just warming us up.
1: I agree. I don't think we're going to have like a uh, an interlude like we had last week with 40 minutes taking place in the past. I wouldn't be surprised if we have maybe a couple of flashbacks. Uh, we, we find out what happens, like who that girl is. But well, we talked about that episode for three hours. So if you guys want to uh, dive into our theories on who that little girl might be. Um, and, and all the other, you know, um, theories and imagery from that uh, from that episode listen to this previous podcast But I agree with you. I don't think we're done with some like serious fucked up bizarre um, Whether it's lodge astral planes or disembodied heads um, Master surrealism class 3000 we're not done yet and I think maybe that episode entitled let's rock might be a gateway. Oh, yeah. Into, met, yeah, gateway.
0: Yeah. We just dive into the lodge and that's it. We don't ever come back after that. Right. Yeah. No, Deep dive. I,
1: yeah, I, I agree. We're not quite done uh, yet.
0: Well, I can't wait. Uh, I think we need to wrap this one up. It's been a great episode. We cannot wait for uh, Sunday. Um, but in the meantime, if you guys want to send us any feedback to our at gmail.com address, we'd love to hear your feedback. Um, Your ideas your questions your experiences. Uh, We're also on iTunes We'd love to give you if you would give us some uh, good ratings there so we can get moved up the hierarchy Uh, We've been getting some great feedback uh, on Twitter Facebook as well. So keep sending it and uh, any final thoughts Tom?
1: No, I think uh, I mean, I think uh, I'm just eager for part nine. I think that uh, It's gonna be great and I'm looking forward to it and uh, we'll be back on Sunday night uh, for a recap And uh, we'll probably uh, dive even deeper into part nine uh, middle of next week.
0: Sounds good. All right. See you guys next time. And uh, thanks for listening.
1: Bye.